Hello, everybody, and welcome to a well. It's a it's a new episode, but it's a redone episode. And quite frankly, I have forgotten in various places where it is a new episode. I feel like I've talked about the leagues of Votan a couple times now, but we lost the last episode due to a power outage. Uh, something that will never happen again, as I have a brand new surge protector. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'd love to invite you to kind of a unique episode. We have a breakdown by the first musket, who's a member of the Tau Discord. Uh, something that I've now been corrected on, it is just Tau 40,000 Discord. Uh, I, as many of you might have sometimes picked up on, I say Tau 40.000, and I apologize that you've had to suffer through... Well, it's, it's actually been a, over a year of this stuff. Um, very exciting. Um, yeah, so we're going to jump right in. Um, enjoy. So the first musket, who is a member of our community, uh, has actually written up a little bit of their their interpretations and extrapolations from the codex itself, and even though the codex has been out for a little while, and we we mentioned it in uh, a previous episode that did get it released, um, you know, there's just there's this interesting ninth edition problem that's going on, and it is a problem. I mean, from 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 the perspective of somebody who is predominantly in the Warhammer Forty Thousand universe for the lore, I love uh, conversions. Um, uh, I, I, I used to play re uh, really regularly in 8th edition um, and a little bit of ninth when we were all in, in lockdown, uh, thanks to TTS. Um, but really, you know, it's, for me, I, I try to read as much as possible, uh, uh, specifically about um, all things related to the Tau, of course. Um, but ninth edition is really light on lore. And I've been talking about it with a couple other uh, communities that are out there. And um, and it seems like they could be, and we're obviously this is all hypothetical. You know, we're all we're all fans, right? At, at the end of the day, I don't want to I don't want to sound like I'm griping or anything, but but it seems like there could be the reason why there's only thirty pages of lore for an entire faction that's just been released um, is because uh, there is a shift. Uh, a fundamental shift in how the franchise is being handled uh, that it uh, that basically the the lore can kind of be whatever you want and I'm, I'm part of a couple of leagues of Votan uh, uh, groups um, and uh, you know I was getting ready to really sink my teeth into it I remember 20 years ago showing my age I remember uh, 20 years ago when the Tau first came out uh, uh, it was in a it was the 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 the, uh, the teaser was a golden plaque in White Dwarf, and it was all in Tausia. And uh, I remember it very distinctly because um, I would get, uh, eventually I would get detention. I was in high school. It was my, uh, my first year of high school. Um, I would get uh, thrown into detention because I spent two days translating and, and, and trying to decipher what the golden plaque said. Um, and in case you're wondering what it was, it, it's now become it, it's it's uh, the golden plaque is now in every codex where it's uh, it's the I bid you greetings in the name of the Tau. Um, it's, uh, it's 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 just about one page, but it basically kind of summarizes uh, the entire basis of the the Tau faction. 
but I was busy translating that in Spanish class and I just couldn't focus. I was immediately hooked. So, um, so that's how far back I go. Um, and you know, whenever there's been a release for new, fa new, new factions in 40k are, are fairly rare. Um, obviously, you know, there's the re-releases of armies, most notably like the Necrons. The Necrons get a whole, you know, a giant like Redux. Uh, there, you know, there's the 30k novels, which I don't really care that that much about because I, quite frankly, just Space Marines. Uh, I I can't carry my uh, the for, the Space Marines have just never been able to carry my interest. Uh, it feels like, uh, which you know, no judgment or anything. I don't want it to. Uh, oh, the first musket is uh, it actually has just joined us. Um, Cool. Uh, the first musket. I'm 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 doing a very lengthy introduction to uh, the document that uh, you put together. So thank you so much. Uh, but as everybody knows, I, I get lost uh, talking about the past. It's probably because I was uh, really wanted to be a history teacher, and I'm just that guy. So um, so that said, um, kind of derailed myself. I just was really expecting the Votan to have books and have. Uh, white dwarves and inferno uh, short stories and 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 really just at, at this at this point in the company's existence, I was even expecting some kind of show or or even a, a cinematic or something like that. Um, and we didn't get that. Instead, we get a very soft introduction to who the leagues of Votan are, um, and. It really leaves something to be desired, but as I've spoken to many members of that kind of budding new community, it seems like that they are kind of adapting to the lack of lore to sink their teeth into uh, by just saying the Leagues of Votan are whatever you want them to be. Um, which, you know, uh, so this is a podcast that's predominantly trying to stay neutral, and it's a podcast really dedicated to Tau fans, obviously. Um, and I don't, I don't ever want it to become an environment where we're, you know, throwing stones and 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 and, and frankly, being the what what the rest of the war, uh, a lot of the Warhammer 40k ecosystem is like. I I, I do really, uh, you know, I love how uh, supportive we are, uh, and, and I think it actually uh, <laughs> it actually makes a lot of sense uh, when you think about uh, the faction that we we all play, um, being supportive. So. Uh, but I think that that's a really that's a really terrible uh, pill to swallow. I don't th if if these factions and these and these models that we have are just supposed to be extensions of whatever it is that you want it to be. Um, if that's for, for an individual player, that's great. You know, have uh, red skin orcs and you know flesh colored tau like like I, I don't you know who cares what the, the ultimately who cares what things are like like what what's everything's blood color or or so on and so forth but there does need to be a unifying factor otherwise uh, for for a faction um you know uh if you want to play a group of space brains that are renegades well what are they a renegade of you that immediately brings in the the emperor and so you have to you have to you have to respond to aspects of the lore in order to make your story make sense. Um, if you want to do a bunch of like female space marines, right? Like, sure, fine, cool. If your reason for doing them is that you like the aesthetic, then I will one hundred percent back you up. If you want to start delving into the lore reasons why they could exist, there has to be the expectations that you have to navigate the minefields that exist just within 
the stories that have come out of the hobby over the course of the last well, 19, I think it's 1987. Um, maybe, maybe some people want to start it in 1992. I, I don't know, but it's, uh, it's one of those things that you, you just have to navigate certain things in order to tell your story. Otherwise just give them lightsabers and force powers. And, and they, they each have flagships that are called the enterprise. And I, I don't know. Yeah. It just like, that's a different, that's a kit bash of different uh, universes, and, and quite frankly, when that starts happening, I just <clears throat> I don't know how to engage with that. So I kind of want to just reject the notion that the leagues of Votan can be whatever you want. So let's so let's talk about what they are. Um, with the limited amount of information provided by uh, the first musket, um, I can say you know let, let's let's maybe also uh, switch over to calling them the kin. Uh, the kin are this uh, race of uh, diminutive humanoids that exist in the galactic core. And they have existed in the galactic core for uh, longer than the Imperium has been around. That's what they are at the end of the day. Um, they uh, have a kind of loose connection to Terra of old or Earth. Um, and, and they admit to themselves that their mythologies are vague, and they fully embrace the fact that they're vague. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, at the end of the day, why you know mythology? That, that's very, that's very Warhammer 40k, right? Like uh, you can't trust history, but you have to, uh, because what else would you have? Um, so I'm I'm down with that. But that's really it. We have a we have a collection of leagues, larger leagues, which represent all of the different kind of nation states in the core. Uh, it's not particularly clear why the core is inhabited. And when you find out that the demiurg, um, the demiurg being a uh, formerly a alien species from Battlefleet Gothic back in the early two thousands, uh, when when uh, and they have now been incorporated into the kin. Um, they are far flung. I mean, they're they're in the Gothic sector, which is uh, you know north of Seoul, uh, but they're also uh, in league with uh, at least two of the brother. They they were they used to be called Brotherhoods. Uh, at least two of the Brotherhoods, uh, Theram and Suryatok, uh, are are both uh, either doing business with and or incorporated within the Tau Commonwealth. So, so why are they far flung? We don't know. Um, what do Demiurg look like? Well, yes, they are diminutive humanoids. Uh, some might even say human adjacent or perhaps an evolutionary offshoot. Um, yet some of them have stony skin. Why do they have stony skin? We don't know. Um, and that's, and you're just going to hear that a lot as we break down this, uh, this, uh, this, the, this kind of rundown that the first musket has provided us. It's just a lot of we don't know. And I don't think that that serves anybody. I think that your ability to come up with your own fan story as to why your army exists should be based on uh, specific choices uh, that are provided by the initial authors. So, um, so let's jump in. Um, you know what? I'm just gonna. The first musket did such a great job of of writing this out. I'll I'll uh, I'll read, and then respond. So we have the introduction. The Votan Codex is small in terms of both lore and army rules and data sheets themselves. It feels as though Games Workshop was nervous about them, unsure of their success in the market. I'm disappointed by this because what we did get was so great. So much of the lore feels like it could be expanded upon and given so much more flavor and depth to it. I'll get into some of that later, but now let's start with what I really enjoyed about the book. Enjoyment. 
And thank you, by the way, uh, the first musket for starting off on a positive note. I do appreciate it. Uh, enjoyment. <clears throat> to start off this section, I'd like to bring up the intro blurb on the very first page. Games Workshop states that the leagues of Botan were purposefully designed with a near corporate theme in order to give players reasons for bright heraldic colors. I appreciate Games Workshop having done this on purpose. I had assumed that they were merely being uh, they were merely stumbled upon. It with the mining theme the Votan so clearly embody. I've always wanted a faction that embodied the sleek corporate aesthetic, and the Votan easily allow you to do so. The kin, uh, which we've all agreed we're going to call them that uh, here on out, uh, are the actual species that make up the leagues of Votan. Games Workshop calls them clones quite a lot, but they're not what you would expect uh, in that capacity if you happen to be thinking of Star Wars. The kin are artificially created by the Votan, or ancestor cores using thousands upon thousands of different templates with gene editing. This means that the kin are all technically cloned from a previous template, but they, they are all still their own person in a way. I really enjoy the amount of individuality the kin express because of this and the importance it is, to, it is shown to have throughout the book. Okay, so let's talk about clones for a second. Um, <clears throat> in Warhammer 40,000, clones are, and have always been, um, unattainable technology uh relatively straightforward obviously we have fulgrim uh, excuse me not fulgrim oh no fulgrim does go into cloning a little bit uh but we have uh, belisarius call we have fabius bile uh i i believe one of the like the sat test that the adeptus mechanicus puts their priests through is effectively growing a human being from uh from a vat um, which could be called cloning. Um, generally speaking, clones... Oh, I, and of course, Horus himself was cloned uh, by the Emperor's children, uh, which was then put down by uh, Abaddon uh, as he rose to power. So clones, you know, nothing new there. And, and quite frankly, it's, it's kind of cool that, that each science fiction uh, universe kind of has their own approach to this. But one of the things that Games Workshop does is that it doesn't really define uh, what a clone is uh in in regards to like a soul so a soul in warhammer 40k is a biological creature's relationship with the warp it's why we dream it's why well at least why we in warhammer 40k why we dream and it's also notably why the tau do not dream the uh in the scope of the tau uh species i believe only two individuals have ever dreamed and that's uh commander farsight and uh commander twin eclipse who died on Medusa Five, uh, fighting with uh, Shadow Sun's sister against a uh, against a keeper of secrets. That's a Slaneshi greater demon. So, um, so this this notion of a soul is is effectively like is almost like the the, the embodiment of the membrane between uh, between real space and the warp, and whatever the soul is, like for example, the Eldar, uh, the Eldar. Uh, at the high point of their empire uh, before the birth of Slanesh, were able to voluntarily uh, reincorporate their soul back into the warp, maintain coherency, which is something that not even demons can really do. If a demon, by the way, is defeated, it, its, uh, its intelligence, its, uh, its experiences are stripped and eaten by uh, lesser demons. And, and that's, uh, that's why demons don't want to you know, uh, lose, even though they can't really be perma-killed except by very specific methods the eldar were able to voluntarily reincarnate themselves into new bodies uh which is uh, which is pretty cool so this idea of a soul and then of course with the necron tier and the Catan, um you know soul gets 
gets thrown around as well, but obviously the Catan aren't eating souls because they are, um, if anything, the gods of real space. They would have, uh, they don't have a they don't they don't have a need for souls. Um, yeah, it, so it, it's a word that gets bandied about uh, a lot. Machine spirit, um, in some cases, is an actual spirit. Uh, in other cases, it is more of uh, an operating system. Um, so it's hard, it's, it's hard to nail down what exactly this is. But it appears in the description of the kin that they are, in fact, manufactured. And they're manufactured uniquely enough that they do have a soul, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later, it going back into the ancestor cores. Uh, but... But it's interesting that we have an entire species of clones. Um, and that's, uh, I think that that is really the first time uh, there is, there are some Imperial Guard regiments which are mentioned to be clones, but never a full faction. And one of the things about them is their lack of individuality. So the fact that the kin have it is pretty cool. Um, okay, so this individual, individuality ties in with their drive and determination to explore and experience new things. All kin have an innate desire to add new experiences and sights to the ancestor cores when they pass um, slash die. Uh, this drive seemingly being one of the primary factors for the rapid technological advancement and spread. Not all is well in kin territory, however. This drive to fill the cores with more knowledge comes uh, from a good place, but some higher ranking kin have begun to suspect that this Ritual of putting the kin's memories and experiences inside the cords is the very thing that's causing their unstoppable descent toward insanity. Um, and for, you know, people who play like the Halo universe and stuff like that, that's rampancy. It's a common theme that artificial intelligences, despite being extremely massive and, and kind of all-encompassing, uh, all will eventually have, like, suffer from data death, where they just, there's too much data coming in and they can't handle it anymore uh pretty cool i've mentioned it a couple times that i have a cousin who works with google's ai uh development and he uh has said that that's an actual thing um that the that uh that these kind of proto ai that they're working with uh can basically be overloaded so kind of cool um a little bit of real life mixed with our sci-fi uh to continue I appreciate Games Workshop giving them this sort of self-inflicted grimdark feel that I can't really place on any other faction. The closest might be the Tau, but most of their, their new feel comes from interacting with humanity in the warp. Kin society being very conservative means there is no real easy answer to this, especially because you wouldn't see the cores getting better if the practice stopped. They'd simply stop getting worse. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a good, uh, it's a good moment for uh, grim darkness for sure. Uh, moving on. Uh, to get back on the brighter end of things, I'd like to bring up the Iron Kin. Uh, those are the uh, alternate ways of building kin models to be to have those kind of robot domes that we're seeing more and more. Uh, those who play Tau and read the lore on them know that the drones are full AI and consider themselves part of the greater good. Drones, however, are still seen as an quote-unquote other in a way. I'd like to compare them to Crute, a part of the greater good and equal in all aspects, but they're not Tau. The Iron Kin throw this idea out the window, though, and are fully considered kin. A short story in the Codex involves one named Lucky in a squad, and you wouldn't even know he was an Iron Kin until he is smacked by an orc, and the writing details his dome being shattered in front of the protagonist. Iron Kin all happen to look like kin because they do feel a form of body dysphoria if they don't. This mental unease also occurs if they have parts replaced rather than repaired. It's an interesting take on robotics, and, uh, and 
One I enjoy due to the cons of it. It said that many ironkin would prefer functioning slightly worse than simply have a part replaced. And that's just a wonderful drawback to me. Uh, that is something that uh, the first musket uh, would have liked more of. And I, I can agree, it sounds fascinating. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. <clears throat> uh, there are uh, other AI uh, or mild AI in the 40k universe. Obviously, everybody knows about the war that uh, that ended the Dark Age of technology uh, and, and kind of began a true Dark Age, which the Imperium kind of grew out of uh, under the Emperor. Uh, AI is a really interesting aspect of the 40k universe because... And this gets into, well, you know what, I'll hold off theories until the end, but there's a very heavy nod that the kin have that they are in fact the men of stone. Obviously it would go with the whole uh, rock and stone meme that's going around. Uh, I myself haven't played the game and probably won't. Uh, but like there's this uh, this notion that the kin are, are in fact uh, the men of stone, which was a race of uh, basically proto-colonizers that the men of gold, uh, the men of gold uh, believed to either be an exceptionally advanced artificial intelligence, or if you're old like me, you'll remember that the men of gold were effectively the first post-humans uh, that grew up on Terra. Uh, basically, think of them as like the Star Trek Federation humans. Uh, they are us. Um, and and we created the men of stone to build our, build our uh, empire while we waited... Uh, for them to basically tame the galaxy. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the Men of Iron, which are the people that eventually go to war with the Men of Gold, uh, they <clears throat> they rebelled. Uh, and there are various reasons for that. Some people think chaos corruption. Other people think that the Men of Iron understood that humanity would... Uh, what, what, what would happen to humanity uh, and, and, and their own descent into chaos and so kind of tried to pull like an Alfarious situation where... Um, they uh, they kill you for your own good and for the for the benefit of the galaxy. So um, so it's believed that the the uh, the kin are, are perhaps the descendants of that. But let's continue. With the codex being as short as it is, there's quite a lot that I wish we could have gotten a deeper look at. The top of those being the kin and how they interact with others more in depth. It's said that some do trade with Eldar, Humanity, and Tau, but we don't really get any deep looks at any of this other than the Tau and how they traded the Tau Ion tech. I could not find any mentions of Tau giving them rail, uh, the rail technology in return either, so something detailing how they achieved, achieved rail technology or the trade for it would have been nice. We also don't go into much detail as to how a kin's lifespan actually works. We don't know how long they supposedly live, and we don't know how, if they come out of the growing chambers fully grown or not. The only hint we have is Uthar's, the only named character that's uh, in the Codex. Uh, his background states that he was given his sword on the day he was born. Some more looks into the process would have been very neat. Um, and this is, you know, this is this is the complicated part of world building. I can basically come up with a Tau cookbook. I could... It, it wouldn't be that hard. I could also go, uh, I dedicate an entire episode on my thoughts on the, the, the notion of Tau alcohol consumption, uh, of which the Tau are huge drinkers and really enjoy seemingly getting uh, uh, toasted. Um, you know, getting into it further, I could also tell you about the Tau gestation cycle. I could even go into how uh, how they view uh, romance and personal relationships between each other, including how they breed both by design and by choice. 
Um, I can get into that with the Eldar as well. I can talk about how the Eldar it takes several years, uh, Craft World Eldar specifically, it takes several years for a baby to be formed because the Eldar are so worried about basically creating, a cha- I don't mean chaos, chaos, just but chaotic thoughts that the baby will somehow absorb. Um, we can get into... Uh, you know, even like the the what is it the uh, the death corpse of Krieg and and what the heck a you know an auto womb is and and stuff like that. World building is viewed by uh, I've noticed especially like corporate types or people that <laughs> okay I again I try not to judge but like people who describe movies as fun um, that's something that like gets under my skin like sure a movie can be fun but what else. Uh, a movie really shouldn't actually be a roller coaster ride. You should feel things, you know, you should feel what the character is going through. And I know for a fact that everybody feels this way, um, whether they know it or not, because you can just list the movies that I'm going to say uh, that you would watch again. Um, and you can, and the struggle of characters is just, is the thing that the human brain connects to. It's, it's, storytelling is an aspect of, hu- of of being a human being and so there are universal aspects uh that uh, that can be seen throughout all of our civilizations nobody just does um you know hercules got up one morning picked up his club and started smashing people's faces in and then he met this really cool girl that he married and they had lots of kids at the end you know like that's a it's a really terrible version of events it's kind of humorous if you know if if, if you know the the story of hercules but but it seems like whoever wrote the Leagues of Votan, and we probably will not know who they are, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, um, did not seem to either be given the space or did not take the time to give us these really fundamental aspects of what it means to design a faction. Uh, why are there female Votan? Or you could do either or. Why are there male Votan? Or excuse me, kin. Uh, why are there male and female kin if they're cloned? What what what? What fundamental purpose does that does that uh, give uh, a species that it sounds like its job is to go out, experience the world, and come back and give its memories back to the core? You know, um, it's that would have been a really good thing to know. It would have also been good to know if, if they if they have children, are there are there kin children running around? Is that something that's important? Um, one of the best stories uh, that came out of the Imperial Guard Codex in in, uh, in the Eighth Edition is the story of how a group of uh, stormtrooper, uh, <clears throat> they're not called that anymore, uh, what are they called? Uh, not Kasserkin. Uh, oh my God. I'm sure somebody is right now furiously typing. You know what? I will just open this up so that I can reference it. Yes. Uh, science. Thank you. Thank you, the first musket. Um, uh, science going and uh, assassinating an entire uh, generation of Earthcast uh, uh, scientists before they were elevated. So uh, if they used the term for that, that would have been Fio Sal. A bunch of Sal were murdered uh, on, on, a, on a Sept Prime planet. Um, you know, from, from the perspective of a Tau, uh, a Tau player like myself, who's a, you know, a bleeding heart uh, greater good apologist, I, that, that makes me upset. You know, that makes me angry. And what's great is, is that that makes me hope that there is going to be uh, some kind of retaliation at some point for that, uh, those war crimes. So, um, yeah, it's, this creates opportunities for narrative hooks 
you know, and to not have any of those, I, I commiserate with the first musket in that it seems like, like, do they, do they eat food? You know, um, obviously they're dwarves, so we can assume that they like, you know, space ale, but do they eat rocks? You know, it just, it, it, it's important to know these things because it makes them more than just a, a miniature that's holding a gun. I mean, as many of you know, I have named every single Tau in my collection and for the next uh, phase of my life, we'll probably give a backstory to all of them because, and again, I don't expect anybody else to do stuff like this, but like, I just think that when you know the ground you're walking on, you can really appreciate a faction that much more. And I do feel as though the, the, the kin have been deprived this really, uh, this really important aspect of being a, a Warhammer 40k faction. Let's keep going. <clears throat> Um, so the ancestor cores themselves are also full of mysteries both cool and semi-unnecessary as an example we don't know why they act like small astronomicons it could be hinting towards the idea of the dim souls all getting absorbed inside of the uh, inside when they die but that feels like way too small of an amount to be the proper cause on the galaxy core map, we happen to see an enclave of humans simply called New Catachan as well. There is zero detail on it in the entire book. No kin interactions or anything of the sort. If it were a teaser of some kind, I'd have expected GW to maybe talk about human rumblings in the core or something along those lines, but there's nothing. So that's the end of this section. And let me just also mention a... <laughs> Everybody is waiting, uh, I'm sure, uh, well, I know I am, uh, for the f final Phil Kelly Warhammer 40,000 book that he wrote before going back to Age of Sigmar, uh, the, uh, the Shadow Sun book. Um, I, 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 have, I have it on my calendar uh, every week to check and make sure that the book hasn't, uh, hasn't been released. Uh, excuse me just a sec, I have to cough. Excuse me. Um, I, I, <laughs> I really don't like the notion of the greater good God. Uh, I especially think that it really undermines how complicated and difficult it would be in order to create a warp creature of any particular power, uh, without the direct, uh, the direct process of ritual, uh, ritual, uh, abasement from uh, the from 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 supplicants and individuals and stuff like that. It took uh, took somewhere upwards of like sixty five million years for the Eldar to uh, to create Slanesh, uh, and they didn't do that uh, deliberately, obviously. But like, uh, but Slanesh uh, is is a god, and um, and the Eldar are the most psychic creatures in our setting, uh, or at least we're the most numerous of them uh, at the time. The fact that we're starting to get into this weird place where just like a small amount of souls, and by, by the way, a small amount of souls, you know, let's just throw the number around, trillion. A trillion souls is not that big of a deal in Warhammer 40,000, and a trillion souls uh, acting as a beacon like the Astronomicon uh, you need to give me more if I'm going to just accept that. Uh, same thing goes for the greater good God. Uh, you have 250 years of, uh, and I got into a, uh, I got into it with with uh, someone recently and learn and and kind of always educating myself. You know, 
uh, and uh, the notion that the greater good is a god was created by humans, and then the, the and then the humans within the Tao uh, civilization, as well as uh, the specifically the psychic aliens that are also there, also worshiping the greater good, uh, uh, the greater good god as a god, uh, created this deity, and it it just like 250 years is not enough, and there are not trillions of humans nor really trillions of really of, of any other aliens but the, the second most numerous uh race after the tau in the in the commonwealth 250 years ago would have been the crute you know uh and they specifically don't think that the greater good they, they they regard the greater good as something that it's that's naive so i just i don't buy it and so for many astronomicons to be rolling around right now um i just hope we don't if that's the case, then everybody's a god. Every, everything is a god in Warhammer 40,000. If you can convince a couple a billion people to worship you or or not, you know, whatever. I, I just... Let's move on. Okay. Theories and interpretations. A lot of the book is vague and open to theorizing, so I'll go ahead and list some small thoughts I had while reading. reading. The ancestor cores are most likely Golden Age tech from which the Emperor's Throne was based on. They absorb the thoughts and memories of those absorbed and allow others to interact with them. They emit a bright enough warp sing signature that they can be followed like the Astronomicon. And it's been shown that the more souls they acquire, the more unstable they become, including the core whose entire kindred was devoured by Tyranids. This fits in with the origin lore in the Codex hinting that uh, at the kin being men of stone and iron kin being men of iron, both sent from Terra into space by the men of gold. Sure, that's a, that's a theory. And yeah, you can absolutely... Uh, to immediately put my foot into my own mouth, yes, I will totally accept if the cores are uh, derivative of the throne um, uh, and are some kind of just you know w fix it with tech. You know, um, I'll 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 be on board for that. Uh, but I need somebody to say that, or I need there to be a bigger hint because the Astronomicon, uh, as well as the throne, <clears throat> uh, as we know, and some, a, a mild spoiler. Uh, we do know that uh, the Eldar helped or were involved in the construction of it. So, yeah, just need just need a little bit more. <clears throat> we don't get much in the way of, the, of unified kin goals in the Codex, but we know that Uthar, the destined, was born for some grand purpose by his kindred's core. The core was also responsible for making it his unique sword. The only story we have involving him so far is him fighting some world eaters, so potentially maybe some tie-in with the upcoming world eaters codex. It's hard to say where the story could be going when we don't get much in the way of plot threads, though I believe that this all uh, this will all be helped once the leagues get a novel centered around them. Uh, so, yeah, and that and that wraps up First Musket's uh, kind of thoughts uh, on the codex. Uh, let me say this as well. Uh, you know, the Tao have a unique relationship with chaos. It's been kind of bumbled, um, you know, in recent uh, in recent in recent books, or I guess more recent the Farsight books, where uh, you know the Ethereals are trying to uh, hide the existence of chaos. This has never made any sense, and it just really, honestly, feels like a kind of slapped together uh plot point taken from 30k uh the tau have been fighting agents of chaos since the second sphere it's it's one of the cornerstones 
of Tao lore. And I know a lot of people forget that um, because it's not because, you know, new books change minds. But like you chaos is a fundamental aspect of of the Warhammer 40,000 universe since the end of the 1990s. Uh, it is the they are the main antagonists uh, both for the Necrons, the Eldar, the Imperium, uh, the Tau. Chaos affects everybody, and one of the things that's so crazy about Chaos is how much it wants to rip you apart for all its various reasons: uh, either infect you with a terrible plague, or cut your head off and add it to a chair. Um, it's it has to be addressed. And the Tau really benefited. I mean, yes, it's it's a crazy game. Uh, I, I apologize on behalf of the 90s where uh, first-person shooters didn't really have much, uh, uh, much of a, a reason why a single person could absolutely annihilate thousands of bad guys in a game. You, in the game Fireware, you do play as a, uh, as a particularly able uh, Shasla, who is... Uh, who just kills his way to freedom? Um, the novelization of the book, though, is excellent. Uh, if you ignore the chapters that are trying to explain how a single Tau Fire Warrior can kill, I believe, uh, upwards of 30 Space Marines. Um, if you can just sidestep that, like, just it's the same if you read the Halo novelization. Like, if you just sidestep some of the more insane stuff, uh, it does uh, prove to be a very good resource. And in that book, it specifically details that while the Tau do have dim souls, something that the Votan clearly uh, lifted and now share uh, this aspect from, uh, even, even this idea that if they're concentrated, they do have a lot of, let's call it soul power. Uh, even with that aspect, uh, the, 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 from, the, from Demonhood's perspective, it would, it would be a waste of time and energy to try to possess a Tau. Um, both because of the physical limitations, the tower notoriously short-lived, uh, numbering between 40 and 60 years, depending on who you talk to. Um, and they don't have the, let's call it the sousson, or the, the spice of life uh, that humanity does. Human beings are like sin factories. We, our imaginations are, can't help but imagine things that I'm sure, well, at least in our own literature, I'm sure that like rabbits, do, rabbits don't share the sheer capacity to want to uh, watch the galaxy burn. You know, uh, that's something that seems to be uniquely human. And the writers of Warhammer 40,000 really tap into that. Demons love human beings. And the only people that they love more than human beings are space brains. And the only thing that they loved more than that was Primarchs. Uh, the capacity for... Uh, sin that is within a space marine uh is is multiplied many many thousands of times over even that of like an eldar you know like the capacity for eldar being possessed while it does happen it it, it seems like eldar are a little bit too hard to swallow in the examples that we have like the emperor of shadom uh he was able to impress his own will over demons uh uh, and it's, uh, you know, and so it, it's kind of just, it's too difficult to deal with that. But Space Marines? Oh, man. So, so basically, to not, 
to not have the kin respond in a meaningful way to the cicatrix maledictum which if you look at the map of warhammer 40,000 you can see that the maledictum like absolutely trash bagged the galactic core uh it it and and, and the limited amounts of uh, excerpts that i've seen on the subject uh, has really it is torn up kin space a lot and this guy uthar you know his his first big battle was against uh, the uh, you know a bunch of corn berserkers uh but there's no reaction to it what do the kin think of chaos you know what's that, what's that about the demiurg have been around in the galaxy since 30k uh that the they they came into contact with alpharius they should know what chaos is uh but the demiurg are a different uh a different name for uh the kin and it seems like they're they they act differently as well they're further afield we you need to have some kind of response to that and the fact that we don't uh i think is just i think it just it's a really flat tire in in terms of the narrative so to kind of wrap things up uh you know this is what it, what does it ultimately mean for the tau well a lot of the stuff i mean uh, as i'm sure many of you uh discovered in the rest of the 40k community you know it was considered like a oh tau got their eye on tech from uh demi or ha they you know whatever um which which i at least experienced uh and it it was kind of one of those actually moments yes the demiurg were always the faction that gave tau uh ion technology uh it is weird that the leagues of votan have railgun technology uh and it's even weirder that it's not mentioned when ion tech is i would imagine the tau the core of tau technology as we've seen from battlefleet gothic uh, and then later on in the Forge World Taros campaign, uh, railguns and gravitic technology is really like that's the cornerstone of Tau Tech. Uh, as much as like plasma tech is kind of, you know, the 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 cent- kind of like the main uh, weapon aspect for a lot of the Imperial agents. Uh, as you get more esoteric, they start throwing around, you know, uh, Melta weapons and stuff like that. And then finally, uh, yeah, and so on and so forth. Uh, if I were going to say what's the comparative, though, you know, the Tau have these giant things called spine guns, which are these kilometer, or maybe they're kilometer, but they're they're massive uh, rail guns uh, that um, that can accelerate uh, a bolt, you know, a sabot up to uh, and including the you know near speed of light. Uh, to compare against that, you know, the Imperials have like Nova shells, but also Lance arrays, where lances are just really highly focused uh, uh, laser technology. Um, everybody's got like a thing, you know. Everybody's got a reaction to each other. Uh, it is weird that one of the strongest weapons that the Leagues of Votan have is a railgun. Um, and ultimately, you know, I I will say that it it does feel a lot of the uh, of of the kin lore seems to be uh, kind of taking all the best parts of a lot of different races uh, or factions, uh, and I it it does sour my mouth a little bit. Uh, uh, specifically, the the leagues of Votan's method of faster than light travel is is almost a copy paste out of the original uh, Tau Battlefleet Gothic Armada book. Uh, describing exactly that that the tau have slower than imperial versions of uh 
of, of warp uh, technology. Uh, and even though it's slower, it's more reliable. You look at the Leagues of Votan, they have exactly the same thing. Uh, the artificial intelligence thing, look, I... I'm interested. I think the Men of Iron are cool. Uh, one of my favorite characters was from that Blackstone Fortress. His name was Ur. Uh, I like the idea that AI is kind of creeping back into the setting. Um, but it's always kind of been... I mean, Gaunt's Ghost, their first nemesis that they fight, are uh, chaos-corrupted uh, Men of Iron. Um, you know, it's always kind of been there, but it'd be cool if we had models and stuff like that. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. But it does really feel as though the kin, uh, the iron kin, excuse me, are a little bit too close to what we've seen as described for drones. So here's what I'm hoping, and I'll end on a positive note. There's never, and I said this in a previous episode, there's never been a an example of the of one faction being directly responsible for the rescue of another faction, um, because the kin have incorporated the Demiurge into their panoply of limited lore. And I don't expect this to be on purpose, but but it is what it is, right? Um, the Demiurge, before the Tau kind of even got through most of their first sphere expansion, were on their way to being wiped out by a, a giant orc wah. And the Demiurge utilizing relationships that they have uh presumably with the eldar worked together to destroy this orc wah before it hit you know the the handful of tau colonies that existed at the time if that is the case and uh it is in black and white then that would mean that the demiurg for no reason of like the kind of pseudo corporate space capitalism um, that we that we're seeing on display, uh, that would mean that they are directly responsible for saving the Tau, and the reason for it is we don't know. And that right there, that is the biggest narrative hook that I hope will come to the fore in maybe a book or two. Uh, I'll accept a video game, uh, a series, whatever, an audio drama, because it would mean that the kin and perhaps the ancestor cores have uh, just like everybody else in Warhammer 40,000 have a greater plan and perhaps that greater plan involves something uh that that is similar to the tau in the notion of we've you know this kind of this idea of we have to work together everybody's getting to that eventually that's what the yunari and the imperial lore was about that's what uh, that's even what chaos lore is about abaddon's all of abaddon's books are about him trying to get the other lords of chaos to stop fighting each other so that they can focus on the big picture and i find it intriguing that the that the kin uh might in fact be more incorporated with the tau in a way that no other factions really are yes you have eldar mercenaries yes you have space marine mercenaries and they like drift around and everything but we know for a fact that either the therm or the suriatok have become uh one or both have become true believers in the greater good and we've seen that in the nakmund uh campaign expansion so it could be really interesting especially for the point of contention uh because obviously other and we've seen this in in the book and and in the lore masters episode the leagues are not uh peaceful with each other they they compete against one another 
it would be really cool if there was some nuance that some of the leagues uh, want to jump into bed with another faction or factions uh, so that we almost get something a little bit like the Interrex, which for me was one of the coolest parts of Warhammer 30k, a kind of a positive Imperium that gets smashed uh, to bits so that Horus can uh, be corrupted and, uh, I, mean, I don't know if this is a spoiler alert, but become the bad guy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, I'm also here for the notion of a Cabal, a reintroduction of the Cabal, which is what Alpharius was part of, and as well as Eldrad. So, Here's hoping that there's just a bigger picture that we're just not seeing yet. And let's hope that the leagues get some more some more lore so we know what they're about. Well, thank you for joining us today. Um, I hope that you enjoyed that listen. Uh, while you were painting, driving, doing stuff, uh, just, uh, just, uh, yeah, I, I, I know that these uh, episodes have been getting kind of farther and fewer in between, but uh, there has just been uh, a lack of lore to really sink into uh, over the course of the last several months. Uh, but, but yeah, but we will, we will. Uh, Hopefully, we're, 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 it looks like we're getting a book about Kasserkin versus Tau, so I hope hope to be jumping into that soon. And uh, yeah, um, remember, you can always reach out to me. My name is Calm Sword, uh, and I am on the Tau Discord. Have an excellent day.